Welcome to Creating a Buzz About Health podcast with Paula Carnell. Hello, welcome to this episode of my podcast, Creating a Buzz About Health. And I am so excited today to have one of my heroes, somebody I've admired for a very long time, and I like to think is is becoming a friend. So that's that's lovely when you, friendships develop through um, your work. And it's James Fernley, the Propolis expert. So welcome, James. Thank you, Paulie. You're very kind. <laughs> <laughs> no, so Propolis is one of my favorite products from the hive and you are the expert on propolis so if you would like to first of all share well for those people who don't know what propolis is you know perhaps what is propolis and then how on earth did you get into propolis in such a big way yeah yeah well you know first of all i'm really i'm really nervous about the use of the word expert but i do i do realize that over 30 odd years I have actually learned quite a lot about about this incredible um, natural substance and its medicinal properties. Uh, but I'm not a scientist, um, but I've learned a lot of science. But how did I get into it? Well, um, I, I opened a, a health food store in Whitby and a, and a beekeeper came in, wanted to sell me his honey. And we started talking about this substance called propolis. And, you know, I was absolutely immediately captivated by it. It just seemed it just seemed to be a sort of um, a, a small miracle. So I, I started I started researching it. There wasn't an awful lot of material around. This was in 1990. There wasn't a lot of material around. Um, so I but I, I started writing about it and and researching it. And then this beekeeper and I decided we'd start a little business just a sort of hobby business really to to uh, um, to to promote uh, propolis well yeah everything was fine for about the first year well I mean it was fine in in every respect we didn't sell very much we only sold about twenty thousand pounds within the first year but in the second year we sold 1.5 million pounds worth of propolis. <laughs> So th th this is this is the story of my of my sort of entry into the into the propolis market, and the reason was that someone had tried propolis and had found that it had helped his asthma. That's the top and bottom of it. And what was the consequence of that? Well, in the normal way, not very much. But when the person who tried it happened to be the features editor of the Sun newspaper, that put an entirely different gloss on it. So. This uh, this journalist decides he's going to he's going to write a piece about propolis. He was a he was an immediate kind of convert, and he ended up writing a full page piece about propolis in the Sun newspaper. Wow! Well, the, the Sun newspaper sells four million copies. Gosh, we had around thirty thousand phone calls. Oh, and that's the days where there weren't mobile phones or emails. It really was business on the phone, wasn't it? That's right. It, the, the, it was. It was absolutely extraordinary. Uh, we we had an office in the basement of the health food shop. It was a very small, a very small office, 
we had to put on 11 new telephone lines in the first week. And <laughs> we had to switch the phones off at 7 o'clock because everybody wanted to go home. So we switched the phones off. Otherwise, it had just gone on ringing. And we'd come, up and come in the morning again and start and put the phones back on and immediately start ringing again. I think, I think the most the most extraordinary event in that very extraordinary sort of month, I guess it lasted, was I had a call from from a uh, a pharmacist in Stirling in Scotland. This was this was after week one of this of this amazing kind of response, and he said, "Look." What what is this stuff? He said, I've had nine people into my pharmacist shop this morning asking about propolis. So nine people, one weekend, one week on from, from the, the Sun newspaper, a, a pharmacist in Sterling has nine people coming into his pharmacy asking about propolis. It was, it was absolutely extraordinary and probably probably really did illustrate the fact that that people out there are very are becoming very interested in in um in alternative ways you know in alternative medicines so it was an extraordinary um an extraordinary baptism which which led to um a very successful company and yes there was a downside to that but um Perhaps, perhaps your readers don't want to. What don't want to hear about that? <laughs> well, I think there's no straight way to run a business, and businesses have highs and lows, don't they? I think it would be really interesting as well to have another episode where we talk about the the pitfalls of business, or and and particularly when you're selling things that are medicines or have a health benefit. You know, there's all kinds of additional issues with making claims or. Um, and even sourcing the products. I mean, propolis, bees do make quite a bit of propolis, but to manage to have enough propolis to satisfy demand, you know, that's another challenge, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah. You know, so how did you then go to start looking into more about propolis, you know, from just making the, um, you know, the tinctures? how did you then move on or were you selling it just as a solid propolis how were you how did you move into making it into a product well when we started we were using we were buying raw propolis and and basically washing it and then and then grinding it down which is not easy to do because raw propolis has wax in it mm. but we hadn't been doing that very long when there was a there was a serious crisis in the in the propolis market. I mean, I should just say that as soon as any product like this became popular, I mean, almost the the, the week after, there, there must have been three or four other companies sprung up who were they were now importing, um, yeah, uh, high tech, um, you know, high potency special propolis and at knockdown prices and so on so it's it 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 was it was an absolute minefield but there was in a way a good side to that because uh propolis was coming in and uh the 
the uh, health authorities found that there, in some propolis that was coming in, I think it was from Korea, they found that there was there was more than the one part per million lead that you're allowed in a food. And let's remember, propolis was not seen as a medicine; it was seen as a food. It's mm. it's it it lives in the food uh, category. Um, so you can't make claims about it. Maybe we'll talk a bit more about that later on. But so we couldn't we couldn't say it did anything. We could ask journalists to say it did something, but we couldn't say anything directly. So all we could all we could do was was refer to it as a, as a, as an immune booster. That was that was basically it. So so there was a there were there were there were meetings at the Department of Health in London, and we were told. Either you get this product down to less than one part per million lead, or we take, or we take, we ban it. We take it off the market. Oh so my we gosh! Had to do some very, yeah, we we had to do some very, uh, you know, neat footwork and research to find out how do we get lead out of propolis. And actually, the answer was quite simple. If you if you refine um, propolis in alcohol, and then um, then the the lead <laughs> sinks to the bottom. It oh. was in the end. It was quite a, it was quite as simple as that. But it meant it meant really then to recover the propolis, you had to turn the whole thing into into a liquid, which meant you had to take the waxes off. So all the refined propolis that all the all the propolis you see on the market now is i would say in the main is the result of of um of a refining process either using alcohol or sometimes water but very hot uh very hot water so it, and there are fours against for both of those those methods but suddenly the propolis the propolis that we were able to sell was was a refined one which then became your kind of raw material for whatever you wanted to use it for. So if it was capsules, then you had to remove the alcohol and um, and dry the propolis out and then mill it and turn it into a powder, put it in capsules, put it in tablets. Then, of course, you could put it into toothpaste, um, soap, lip balm, you name it and 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 we did it yeah wow wow so not all from a little office downstairs of the health food shop no no not not at all we 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 end up we ended up um um open up a, a small factory and and basically designing a kind of industrial scale um refining plant because there wasn't any there were there were no uh, there were certainly not none in the UK. There there was some there, there were references to some in um, in the US, but there wasn't a there wasn't a large scale refining plant in in the UK, and we had we basically had to start from scratch and design it. Goodness. So would you just go back a bit about what exactly propolis is? I mean, I'm a beekeeper, so I'm familiar with propolis, but some of the people listening might not be entirely sure of what it is or how how it's connected to bees. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, basically, 
put very simply, propolis is is uh, resin, and it's resin which the bees collect from trees and plants. You remember, you know, if you cut a tree, for example, then the tree will heal itself with that resin. We've all seen that, or we've all seen the sticky buds at uh, springtime. You know, th there's the resin. The resin is always found uh, where there's an injury with the plant and also at the, at the growing point of the plant. Um, so that's where the that's where the bees go to, and they they specifically certain bees specifically collect uh, collect the propolis, and uh, we could go into how how they how they decide to do that, but I think that's probably a bit it's it's a bit too complicated. But basically, and what they're doing when they collect the resins is they're collecting the plant or the tree's immune defense mechanism. Because the, the resin in in trees and, and plants, that's their kind of that's their kind of blood. It's their it's the way in which they balance their kind of the their their defense of their their own organism. So um, the bees are collecting that. They collect it on their uh, on their back back legs. They take it back to the hive. It, it then gets transferred and and very often warehoused on on if it's if it's commercial beekeeping they can warehouse it on top of the frames but they use propolis of course uh, in 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 three different ways and in a way those three different ways illustrate the three different ways in which propolis is involved in in supporting the bees immune health they use it physically because they they use it to build and it provides a kind of resin reinforcement for for each cell if there wasn't propolis in the individual cells then the weight of the wax would be would be too much and it would it would collapse there's some russian research that showed that that, that illustrated that so so they use it as resin reinforcement they use it to provide the ventilation holes they use it to create the entrance to the hive an entrance which is both, if you like, antiseptic and easily defendable. The the the, the narrow entrance uh, to the hive is always made out of propolis, um, and and they they use it. For instance, they use they, they refine it down. They use it to polish the internal surfaces of the cells, providing that kind of sterile uh, background for into which they're going to to place the 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 pupae so uh, uh and of course they they also use it the propolis is very important in terms of maintaining you know yeah first physical defense secondly social social hygiene so hygiene between the bees themselves and then and then if you like the internal hygiene so the ability the antibacterial or the antifungal or the anti viral properties of propolis are able to work in propolis as an adaptogen for the for the superorganism as a whole mm. so, it's, so it's really their skin you know it's it is like the skin that protects the colony you know by lining the inside of the hives that's right that's right and and we saw that very clearly when we when a group of us went to see the 
the wild bees at Blenheim Palace, uh, mm. where, where the bees you could see would naturally build uh, colonies in cavities high up in the trees, but they would they would they would create a thick lining of propolis within the cavity, and then they'd they'd almost close the cavity off, um, mm. like a little capsule, uh, again in a way in which they can defend. So, so so propolis is propolis for the honeybee is important in in these three different ways and and for me this really triggers in my imagination this this kind of threefold nature of of propolis for the honeybee the threefold nature of of propolis as a as a as a, an immune defense mechanism for the honeybee and and i guess this is also connects with the with the kind of threefoldness of of the human immune system and how these kind of products can can relate to the to to um human needs but i think mm. i think i perhaps need to just explore a really kind of central um an important part of the research that we did that really triggered a whole new world for me about propolis and that was that was discovering well, first of all, we discovered that we looked at propolis from all over the world, maybe 400 samples from different parts of the world. And then the researcher put a, 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 a geographic map over it. So we looked at the, the biology and the chemistry of the propolis. And, and when, she put a bi when she put a geographic map over the results, she saw that antibiotic that the propolis was more antibiotic in areas where it was hot and wet. So mm -hmm. in subtropical areas, then the propolis was more antibiotic. And if you think about it, that makes a lot of sense, really, because, because the bees are much more challenged by bacteria. They, they need to work harder to keep bacteria in, in place um in in the in the in those those sort of climatic zones but the second thing that we discovered was that in an area in cameroon it was again where it was hot and wet but also in an area where there was sleeping sickness in the human population we found that inside the propolis there was an anti-trypanosome chemical i.e a chemical which is associated with with uh, defending yourself against the 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 virus which is um sleeping sickness so that rang a big bell to me it made me made me think ah yeah what the bee is doing the bee is picking up the 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 bee is picking up the if you like the the environmental health fingerprint of what is around it, you know, in the the local plants, the the local chemistry, it's taking it back to the hive, and it's turning it into its unique, its unique um, uh, health defense mechanism or immune system. So wherever you get propolis. It's always just completely different, completely different sets of chemicals in tropical propolis than to temperate uh, propolis. So, for example, 
in tropical propolis, you get more phenolics. And, and, and phenolics are more related to antimicrobial properties. Mm. In temperate climate propolis, which is what we were mostly dealing with, you get more flavonoids. And flavonoids are more related to the uh, antioxidant uh, properties. So uh, it, you know, anti-inflammatory properties. Of course, we use these words anti this and anti that. But of course, um, the, no, none, of, none of them, for the beehive, none of them are so anti. They're, they're, they're all pro, you know, <laughs> they're all they're all for that. They're about the whole, not about our pharmaceutical medicine with its obsession with with anti. It's about pro. So it, what we discovered is that is that uh, the the properties of the biological properties of propolis varied according to the climatic zone. And obviously, then according to the chemistry uh, that was of of the trees and plants in that region. So, yeah, I mean, I think we kind of discovered what I call geographic medicine mm. because it seems to me that you, propolis has been propolis has been used as a medicine for thousands of years. And when you link it with the sort of the sort of folk ideas about, you know, uh, eat eat local, you know, eat local food. You are what you eat. You know, use local pollen if you want to if you want to work with hay fever or whatever it is. This is kind of local thing. It's really kind of emphasizing that fact that we are related as human beings to the rest of nature. Yeah. And that nature, I mean, through my studies with herbal medicine, one of the first things we're taught is to start observing what plants you attract into your environment. And you do tend to find that plants will appear from seemingly nowhere and they have a relevance to whatever health issues you are dealing with. And, you know, so like you found with the sleeping sickness, that's just incredible, isn't it? That the propolis or the trees are producing sap. So are there conditions that the plants, all of nature has a weakness in that area that all of nature is balancing to try and fix? So this thought that humans are outside of nature is just crazy, isn't it? We are part of it. And when we open our eyes, we can start seeing that there's all these tools around us to help fix the imbalances. It's just amazing. It is. It, it, it's stunning, Paula. And but uh, you know we've talked about this before. You know, it uh, really obviously there's a lot of research work that will have to be done to, if you like, prove this thesis. But but the answer staring you in the face. That's that's the problem. Mm -hmm. And um, but the reality is that I mean, for example, when we discovered this, we created a project we, which we called. Bee Farmer Africa. So we went, um, my son went to Africa. He visited five different countries. He got some money from the Churchill Foundation looking at malaria, sleeping sickness, and leash mania because they're, they're all 
they're all diseases which use the with where the fly is is the is the vector of the disease and and to try and sort of pursue this idea of of what's the relationship between uh the the health demographics of a population in a particular area and the and the the, the biological quality of the propolis in that area well we can we're scratching the surface but in a way i think we're also wasting our time trying to sort of spend too much time on that i think i think the principle is proven you know that but what it involves is that what we should be doing is to protect our own health as human beings we need to be more related to our local natural environment mm -hmm. so think of think of the value to african people for instance if beekeepers could be collecting by collecting propolis they're collecting the unique fingerprint of so to speak their their local areas um you know yeah immune defense needs <laughs> to, yeah. to put it in and of course this doesn't mean to say that we don't need pharmaceutical drugs not at all you know but we need those we need those pharmaceutical drugs um you know as an emergency in crisis you know but we need much more to relate to our environment to uh yeah in order to in order to yeah, both understand our environment and both to be to 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 use the to use our environment or relate to our environment as a healing agent. And I think it goes back to what you were saying about pro versus anti. You know, we need anti-medicine when it's too late, don't we? You know, but if we can use more of the pro, then we're not going to be so reliant on anti um forms of, of treatment. So yeah, and I think that, you know, there is a, a clue in how the bees, you know, the bees don't just collect propolis when they're sick. They pre they prepare, don't they? They collect it in advance to protect their um, their environment. Yeah, I mean, if they have a particular, um, if they have a particular crisis, well, let's take the example of, you know, a, a mouse invading the hive to to rob the honey they can kill it but they can't move it mm. um so so you've got you've got a you've got a potential crisis now for 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 the whole organism because you've got you've got a substance that is likely to 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 be a source of infection uh, a critical source of infection in the hive so what they do is they'll either they'll either they'll call on those supplies that they've already tucked away within the hive or they'll go out and collect more and they'll they'll embalm that yeah the, the mouse that's I mean, amazing isn't it <coughs> and just completely embalmed so it becomes completely embalm it and and you could go back 20 years time and you could if you took that mouse out and and cut it in half it would be totally mummified so you've totally sealed up the source of infection and here's the big, big clue to the way in which propolis works as a pro-medicine rather than an anti. It's not, it's not so to speak, killing. It's not a killer. It, it's a rebalancer. It's sealing up. And in, in all the research that we've done over all the years, uh, looking at propolis, 
it it's the words that come up is that it, it sort of disconnects so it disconnects bacteria it stops them from joining together to become things like bio, biofilm and mrsa which is much more dangerous as we know mm. um, it 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 stops it's it yeah it uh, it it basically it basically uh, seals up the virus for instance so viruses have protein coating so it's not going in to kill the virus it's going in to stop it from um from replicating or leaking into the, the the organism of the beehive or into our into our body because the flavonoids seal up the protein coating of the of the the virus so you see if you think about the mouse and then you think about the 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 virus it's doing exactly the same thing it's mm. it's sealing up so it's sort of it, you know as above so below you've got at a microcosmic level um you've got the same thing happening as a sort of macrocosmic level of the the mouse and the virus so here we have you know, in so many different ways, um, a, a completely different concept of medicine and health, isn't it? Um, it, it so, but we have the potential opening up, and I think people are, are coming to it of local medicine, ecological medicine, medicine which is related to your environment, and obviously not just to do with with the things that might help a physical condition, but we have to start exploring. The fact that uh, um, health is related to to other forces as human beings as well, just as it is with the with the honeybee. So the honeybee's health depends on the environment it finds itself in, and it also depends on the environment which it creates from within. We're just the same. We are. Now, something I often get asked is with with natural medicine, with honey and with propolis, is people say, well, how can it have so many different properties? I think we're used to pharmaceutical medicine where you have one pill and it does one thing and with everybody. So this is something that I think where we've come away from understanding the energetics of natural medicine, people are struggling to understand how can one product like propolis have so many different properties and how can it be good for oral health good for asthma good for skin you know can you explain a bit about about that how yeah. we can understand that yes well i think i think the i think the key the the key key issue is that if we if we let's let's just step back a bit and look at look at our look at the human immune system um, you know, pharmaceutical medicine really would lead us to understand that our that the way we get well is 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 by producing a very specific targeted chemical that has a cause and effect. So if we've got a problem, uh, it just it just alters that it, it changes that because because that's what it does. But clearly that doesn't work, and that's because our immune system isn't just a physical thing. It's a social thing as well. It it it's affected by how we feel. If you mm. if you if you lose your partner or you know if you, if you have some emotional crisis, you fall in love and you get 
you get rejected. Your, your immune system crashes. Equally, your immune system, if, you, if, you, if you're depressed and you don't feel what life's worth living, your immune system just, just plummets. So we're not one-dimensional. We are three-dimensional. We belong to our ecology, if you like. We are subject to all that. So, so um, you know, why can it have that all those different uh, properties? Because, because, because uh, the 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 propolis, for in the hive, for instance, is balancing the whole of the body like i said earlier it's it's balancing it's moving things around it's it's keeping things in the place bacteria are not a problem we've got billions of them in our in our body you know they're only a problem if they decide they want to take over in things like mrsa when they they, they turn themselves into battalions well organized battalions but but propolis for instance uh, it the the inhibits quorum sensors quorum sensors are the chemical signals which tell in your body which tell bacteria though you can get you can get together now because this system is looking pretty weak uh, and you know there's a chance we can take over well propolis it stops that chemical signal so but basically what it's doing it's helping your body to retain balance and integrity in other words to able it's enabling your balance you're enabling your body to sustain its immune system so it's enabling your body to deal with bacteria it's enabling your body to deal with viruses it's enabling your system to deal with fungi or parasites or or, or whatever it is not not this kind of smart missile approach uh, that pharmaceuticals have, which we need sometimes, yeah, um, you know, in, in emergencies, but but mu a much gentler, and you know, a, a sense it 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 leaves us with a sense of health where we have to take much more responsibility too for our own health. Mm. Does that answer your question, uh, Paula? And it's it's a shift of we're shifting our kind of mindset from this. Go to the doctor. The doctor's the expert. He'll give you something that will have an effect. To to a situation which is much more to do with you, you you um, looking after your own terrain, as yeah. it were. And um, yeah, and I think it's and it is accepting that we we do have a terrain. You know, our health is not just impacted by that physical machine that that breaks or has a has a problem you know our thoughts our emotions the people we surround ourselves with the water the food we drink everything has an impact and like you said we do have to start taking more responsibility for that we can't just be living a wild life and um and thinking that a magic pill is going to reset that balance with one yeah. one take you know yeah yeah, it's so ridiculously obvious in a way, isn't it? I mean, it is. this is the awful thing. I mean, it, it it always used to amaze me how many doctors, for instance, suffering from diabetes would end up having their uh, limbs amputated. I mean, and yet they're the people who know that what what the cause and effect is. 
the problem is they can't do it. Yeah. So that's so there's the issue we have to learn, don't we? We do. There's a wonderful quote from Hippocrates, which is, um, before you treat the patient, ask first if he's willing to give up what made him ill. And, Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you Absolutely. know, we do all know what's making, you know, what is causing us stress or what is making us poorly. But it yeah. it is hard and to take that responsibility and go, no, I need to put my health first is very, very difficult. And quite often people don't come to that decision until they have an actual health crisis, you know, like myself. Um, yeah. So it, it is fascinating and it is a big shift, isn't it, from allowing other people to have responsibility over your health to then taking self-responsibility and thinking, okay, I want to look after my teeth, so I'm going to have propolis in my toothpaste as well as taking it as a throat spray, you know, or putting it on a on a wound if I have a wound but um yeah it is it is a big shift for a lot of people but I feel a lot more people are are willing to make that journey now because they've been failed you know they they are finding that what worked before is no longer working yes and yeah I mean I I don't underestimate how difficult this 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 shift is but I think you're right that we are we are moving towards a new kind of way of understanding who we are and how we best look after both ourselves and our and our brothers and sisters, you know, <laughs> rather like the bee does. <laughs> I mean, yeah. 70,000 single elements uh, living in, in, you know, a seamlessly well-organized um, single body. It, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we are making that uh, we are making that change, but I think we have to get away from we have to get away from being you know when people ask us well if probably so so good what 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 why will it do this will it do that it it may it may do that but it's not <coughs> it's not like a it's not like a pharmaceutical mm. it's going to help everything. And of yeah. all the natural medicines, all the physical products that go up to make natural medicines, <coughs> nothing, I believe, is stronger than than propolis. Nothing is more complete, particularly if it's possible to use propolis from the region in which you live. Mm. So... <coughs> Um, I've heard you speak of three-dimensional medicine, which we're touching on, but I know you have a a real mission, a sort of a lifetime's project that is now starting to be realised. So would you like to share a bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the the more I came to understand about the, the... the, the properties of propolis, the, the scientific properties of propolis, and how it how it works as a, in this in this holistic way, the more I the more I became entranced really about the the nature of the beehive, the nature of the of the, this superorganism which is the honeybee, which is not all that common in nature. Um, mm. Uh, that these communities communities of of organisms that live live together and have resolved 
have resolved the kind of relationship with with the rest of nature in a very specific and uh, way. And I think the thing that triggered most um, what I would like to talk about, which is my B art project, uh, it it was was the realization that from almost time immemorial, the honeybee has always been associated with with the human being's search for understanding about who he is. And we might call it the priestly function or, or religion. It doesn't matter what you call it. So if we look in, if we look at India, the, 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 the god of love, Karma, there she is in the, 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 there's the image. She's riding on a lion and the lion is riding on a bee. Okay. <laughs> we go to Egypt. We see, we see in Egypt the name of the temple is the is the same word for as for honey. We go to Greek Greece. Uh, we see that the priest the priestesses were called Melissa, and the priests were called Essene, which means king bee. Uh, I mean, these are just a few examples. You know, my question to the to the the skeptic is: Well, why wasn't it the giraffe or the earthworm? That, that was associated. No, it was the honeybee. And mm. I think the honeybee has a has a very special relationship to, to human beings in the sense that the honeybee has already evolved in one sense further than us, in other in other senses not. One mm. could speak about that and debate it for a long time, but it triggered the it triggered my it it, it it sort of emphasized the the idea that that we can in the honeybee observing how it operates both at a at a, a, a if you like a cosmic level and at a social level the way it's organized and in terms of the most extraordinary things that it produces foods and medicines pollination oh i mean it's just it's just extraordinary that we could learn a lot first of all about how to protect the honeybee mm. <laughs> given the, given the damage we have human beings have done to it and i think in learning those lessons of how to relate to and protect the honeybee we can learn many lessons about how to relate and protect ourselves as human beings so i've created this project called the bee arc and it's got three parts to it one of one is the one is it's a discovery center so it's a place where people uh, visitors can come and they can find out about the life of the honeybee and how the honeybee interacts with with human beings so the, the visitor will be taken on a journey through the if you like the spiritual world of the honeybee what it means to man and 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 what it may mean in a broader context the social world of the honeybee, how it manages to organize itself in this way and, uh, and, and what that might mean for man. And of course, the economic and the environmental meaning of the honeybee. So uh, what it actually produces and how it is sustained in practice, so foods, medicines, and so on. And then the second component would be a research center where we, where we commit to doing, if you like, cultural and spiritual research about the honeybee and about the way human beings understand the world 
we would also do social and community research about how the honeybee and human beings can uh, manage to live together and how human beings can benefit from that. And of course, also uh, economic and environmental research, which will explore the best ways of of protecting the honeybee and of course i should teach you so uh, to explore ways in which we can we and the um, these products that the, the these products that the honeybee produces and then the third element will be an actual physical uh, intentional craft community so people living together and and exploring ways in which they can work together um, you know live together and celebrate life together it's a very ambitious it's a very ambitious project but i think it's the b arc is not spelt b w -E a r k it's not an arc in that sense it's an arc in the sense that i think by coming together to think about these issues, we also we also engage ourselves together in a way in which we we have the potential to find new solutions. Mm. Yeah, it's a bridge, a connection to the future, the future we want yeah. to to see. Yeah. So it's a it's a it's a five million pound project. Which I never mm. thought I would be involved in, but you know things happen, and I think uh, I think the honeybee, but uh, things happen. You meet the architect, you meet the you know, you know something comes together, and suddenly twelve years after this idea sort of um, um, landed in my in my in my head, suddenly we're now looking at a, we're now looking at plans. We're looking at at at, at uh, within a few months applying for planning permission we're looking at launching the whole project to the world uh, actually on the 25th of october um which is next week so um i'm very i'm very kind of moved and grateful and, and blessed that this is a project that i've found myself engaged with and uh, and also you know uh, blessed and grateful for 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 your interest and engagement with it with it, Paula, because I think I think uh, there is a movement now which, where I think people, many people, and we saw this in in this wonderful conference, learning from the learning from the bees that took place mm -hmm. earlier this year. Uh, there are many people who who are really thinking along the same lines, and it shows we are connected. Mm -hmm. And I hope that the bee arc is going to provide that bridge. That, that those many bridges between many connections which can uh, come together and enable enable us to create together using our collective intelligence in the same way as the honeybee uses its its uh, collective intelligence to <coughs> to regulate its, uh, its 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 universe its world it's incredible because I know seeing you speak about the bee arc and then when I've talked about the bee arc all around the world, it just connects people to 
to an understanding, a deep understanding that this is what we all need. This is the next step. And I really love that, that you've been, you know, creating this idea you know it's it's been gifted to you and you're the man who's got to to make it happen which is you know like poor old Noah you know it's it's um a gift but also a um a burden you know a heavy burden but I feel we all go through life and there is something that we know we have to do that's our life's work and it's really inspiring to see the journey that you're on with the BRC and how it is pulling together be people, you know, scientists, beekeepers, um, people that are, are interested in circular economy and, and the way forward and creative thinking and how it is pulling all these people together going, yes, this is what we need. And I can really see a sort of like um, satellite bee arcs all around the world. So the world is is held by this um, series of bee arcs that are all connected by the bees and the bee people. and holding the earth together in this this frame almost like propolis you know providing the skin for the earth but inspired by the bees and as you say the bees have inspired humanity for so many thousands of years there's got to be a deeper reasoning for that and perhaps one of the reasons modern western society is so lost is because we have lost that reverence for the bee we've lost that deep connection with nature and so the arc is that bridge to bring us back into nature and start listening and learning from the bees again. You know, they are a gift and they are trying to tell us something. So it's just amazing how you've gone from, you know, just being curious about propolis or, you know, how's that one little interest has just become a life's work. Um and never ending you know I know there's still so much to learn about propolis and I, I did hear is there something like 10,000 research papers on on the medicinal properties of propolis um or is there more than that well I guess that that's probably about right I'm not sure of the exact figure but that's probably about right uh, in terms of what's out there I know year on year the numbers of papers about about propolis are growing exponentially mm. I mean, yeah. it's, so, it's so exciting. Of course, it, it's, a, it's a time to be really careful because still, still a lot of the interest and a lot of the money is looking for um, an active ingredient, mm-hmm. looking, for that, looking for that magic bullet, you know, yeah. looking for, the, looking for the, 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 the simple answer. And there is no simple answer either to, to, to medicine or to life or anything, is there? I mean, there just is no simple answer. We live in a, we live in a fluid uh, um, environment, in a, in, a, in a living ecology where, where we are not the masters. We, we, we're, we're like sticks uh, in the stream. We can guide ourselves in the stream a little bit, but we can't escape the stream. Mm. No, that's so true. So how can people connect with you? Um, so do you still have the health food shop? I know you have a shop um, in Whitby, but if you'd like to share a bit where people can can see you. Yeah, well, I mean, th- there's, there's, um, there are three strands to my life. There's three, every, three everything. 
one is that uh, is that I have a company which which I'm trying to turn into uh, a superorganism, and it's Nature's Laboratory, and and we produce bee products there, and we produce herbal medicines and and natural natural skincare. You've been there, Paula. Yeah. Mm. And we do we do a lot of research there. We've also got Common Cause, which runs the dispensary, which is a health food store in Whitby. And we've got a community bakery there and a community library. And we're opening up some community workshops as well. And then there's the BARC. So, I mean, anybody can contact me. It, it, it's simple. James.Fernley at BARC.com. And, and uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm happy to... I'm happy to answer anybody's is questions and uh, and engage with anybody who feels they want to support this this um, this endeavor. I mean, I think you know we're very fortunate in in the sense that the the global network which has grown around Propolis and the International Propolis Research Group, which I set up about seven years ago. Contains hundreds of academics and people interested in the medicines from the beehives, and many of those now uh, have agreed to be ambassadors for the bee arc in their particular countries. And and you're you're also helping us, Paula, in that kind of international, global search for um, for people to join in and and join our colony, so to speak. So. Um, this is what I love. It's not a case about having one person having ownership or or funding it all. It really is a community project so that we're bringing, you know, like a hive or a colony of bees, everybody is contributing a little bit that then builds up to make an incredible whole. Yes. Yes, that's right. And um, and And I think whilst we, you know, I think we have to be, we live in very, very tough times. Talking to some young people this morning, some college students, you know, 15, 16, and they live in a they live in a changing world. And um it would be very easy to become despondent about about pract finding practical results. In a way, I think we should substitute the the big answers, the magic bullets, the big solutions for our willingness to talk to our neighbor to talk to those people we are we are close to to explore common meaning and common purpose because the more we talk to each other the more we will discover that we are connected and the more mm. we will discover we have something to do together oh that's beautiful that's a really love way lovely way to end our little chat and i would definitely like to have you back after the um the launch of the bee arc um at the end of october so and then we can talk more about the bee arc in detail so thank you Wonderful. so much james we will share all the links in the um the information about the podcast so if anyone's interested in finding out more about james's work or the bee arc you'll be able to click on the links so thank you very much and thank you everyone for listening. And if you think there's somebody who would benefit from listening to this, um, this episode, then please share it. Do comment, send us messages um, on any thoughts that have come up about what we've discussed. Thank you very much. I love that you've been listening to my podcast. Thank you so much. 
I am delighted to have the wonderful Bee Brook helping me with editing and um, producing this podcast. So if you've enjoyed it, do share it around and connect with me on social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, and my website. So thank you very much and bye for now. You have to become yourself. Join us Open next time on heart. Creating a Buzz Open About Health heart. podcast with Paula Carnell. Buzz you later.